The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. Good morning. Um, what I wanted to talk about this morning was um, the idea of embracing imperfection. And uh, there's a um, Japanese philosophy called wabi-sabi, uh, which is a philosophy that takes into account and appreciates the complexities of life, uh, at the same time values simplicity. And it acknowledges and appreciates three qualities in life, that everything is impermanent, imperfect, and incomplete. Um, so instead of struggling with this, these realities, it looks to be at peace with them. So another way of saying it is, is nothing lasts, nothing's finished, and nothing's perfect, including ourselves. Um, so life rarely works the way we want it to, all the time. And this whole idea is very close to the Buddhist concept of dukkha. Um, dukkha, uh, in the first noble truth, that there is dukkha in life. Uh, dukkha is often translated as suffering, uh, but it refers to the whole range of experience from the very minor annoyances, discomforts, things that aren't quite just the way we want them, to the major sufferings in life of uh, grief, loss, death, illness. Um, the Buddha spoke of three kinds of dukkha. Okay, the first one is dukkha dukkha, which is like pain. The, the pains that we get in life, you know, you um, fall down or hurt yourself, it hurts. The emotional pains. Uh, so the, all the very obvious, very blatant pains that we have in life. The second kind of dukkha is the dukkha, the, uh, the, the kind of oppressing quality of the continuous maintenance of life. Um, of, of, you know, you have to get up in the morning and, you know, you make breakfast, you clean up the kitchen, you go to work, you, um, you know, have to tune up your car regularly, you have to, your clothes wear out, um, you know, you clean your house really well and it's all downhill from there. Um, so that's the continuous maintenance, you know. And um, I think of it as the dukkha of the Golden Gate Bridge, uh, you know, the Golden Gate Bridge, you know, they start painting it, and by the time they finish painting it, they have to start all over again. So it's this continuous cycle of, oh yeah, it's never done, never done. And the third form of dukkha is the dukkha of change. That no matter how much, how happy we are, how good things are in our life, uh, it doesn't last. And... Um, you know, maybe we're really uh, very disciplined in our lives and, um, and we've really worked hard at making our lives just the way we want them. You know, we have a you know, really great relationship. We've got a really nice home. We've got work we love. And, you know, we do all these things and we've got almost everything. But something happens. We sprain our ankle. Or something happens in work and this big project falls through. And, um, and as Gilda Radner said, it's always something. If it isn't one thing, it's another, you know. And, and that's the nature of, of life, you know. It's never, you can't just rest, here it is, I got it down, here it is. You know, it's always changing. Um, 
in all three forms of dukkha happen in meditation, right? Uh, how many of you have never had pain in meditation, right? Um, you know, there's nothing more obvious about the maintenance, you know, when you sit down each day and go, oh, I've got to watch the breath again. You know, especially if you're not settled, you know. It's like, okay, you have to start all over, get settled. Um, and the dukkha of, imperm- of, of change, of impermanence, that even in meditation, you get really settled, you get really peaceful, things are, are feeling very, really wonderful, and that changes too, that goes away. So the three forms of dukkha apply in life, uh, in all levels of life. Um, so we all, have, we all have some limitations, some areas in our personality that we may think uh, aren't quite the way we want them to. We all have unfinished business in our lives. So how do we deal with these things? You know, do we change ourselves? You know, in Buddhism, some of the deepest concepts of Buddhism have the quality of paradox. Um, And I think Suzuki Roshi said it really well when he said, uh, we're all perfect just as we are, but there's always room for improvement. And so this is really what, um, what the practice addresses, both of those things at the same time. Um, we have to accept ourselves, and we have to make choices to improve ourselves. So for instance, um, maybe we have a tendency to get angry too easily. You know? So uh, if we don't accept that we get angry too easily, we can't even begin to work with it. You know, we just repress it, we try to push it away, we try to hide it. Uh, so the, the beginning of working with the tendency to be angry or a tendency to be afraid is to accept it. Ah, here it is. And the moment that you accept it, it already begins to change. And so that's a huge part of the transformation. Uh, but that's not all we have to do. You know, for instance, um, what happens when we become mindful, like here you are getting angry at your spouse again over, you know, the fact that they didn't do dishes when they said they were going to do them, right? And you just get, you know, you're just about to, to be a little bit irritable to them. Uh, but mindfulness kicks in, and we have that moment where we can make a choice. The anger may still be there, but we have a choice to restrain ourselves from snapping at them. Um, and let's say we do snap at them, then we have the choice of whether we're going to reproach ourselves or accept ourselves. So choice is always there at any given moment. Um, In an article um, that Tanisha Bhikkhu wrote recently, uh, he talked about this, um, he quoted uh, an experiment they did with um, students in a... um, neurosurgery program. And it was a really tough program. So only some, some of the students uh, you know, succeeded in the program and went on, and some of the students failed. And they wanted to know what was the difference between the two groups of students. Uh, so they gave them these really intensive questionnaires, but there are two questions that stood out. The first question is, um, do you ever make mistakes? And the second question was, uh, what's the worst mistake you ever made? And what was really interesting was that the group that succeeded, 
they said, oh, wow, made so many mistakes, you know, and they volunteered. And, you know, and with this mistake, boy, I, you know, I really, you know, I should have done this, you know, so maybe next time I can improve it. And, and you know, they, they took full responsibility for the mistakes and how to do something about it in the future. The group that failed the program, they said, oh, I almost never make mistakes. You know, I'm really, really careful. And when the mistakes happen, they, rash, they either blamed it on circumstances or, oh, somebody made a lot of noise. You know, they blamed it on someone. It was never their responsibility or almost never. Uh, so that's a really interesting thing of how we treat ourselves that way. Um, acknowledging our imperfections, which is what making mistakes is, right? It's the same quality, acknowledging that we may not do things the best way possible. We may not, um, you know, that, that knowing and accepting that we do that is what allows us to learn how to do it better. It's what allows us to succeed in whatever we're doing because we, we, we can see honestly what's going on instead of trying to push away, you know, I'm, you know, I... I'm not good at that and trying to hide it. A huge part of the practice is becoming transparent. Transparent to ourselves and transparent to others. Um, Can we let go of any defensiveness we have? Um, You know, um, if we're not spiritual enough, we're not strong enough, we're not smart enough, you know, we're not... Whatever the ideas that we may have, can we let go of being defensive about it? Um, one of the things, you know, that one of the qualities that was a very strong, uh, uh, difficult quality for me to work with um, most of my life was that I tend to be very pushy. And, um, and you know... I was my own boss most of my life, so, you know, I could be as pushy as I wanted to. You know, there was nobody around to make me, you know, look at that in particular. And until I started volunteering in, uh, you know, um, quite a number of years ago, you know, where everything had to be done through collaboration, you know, and suddenly, you know, I found myself just, you know, I'd push and people didn't like it, you know, and, and at first it was like, you know, well, I have to push, they'll never do anything, they'll never get anything done unless I push. And, uh, you know, that defensiveness, the defensive quality, over time, as I saw that that didn't work, <laughs> um, you know, and I allowed the gift of, of people in the Sangha who were, um, who just showed me, you know, how, how I could be different with it. And with time, you know, I softened around that. And I still tend to be pushy. I mean, that's just, just my personality, but it's no longer something I'm embarrassed about or something I hide or something I hold on to. So, um, you know, and we laugh about it. You know, it's, it's something that I can feel completely transparent and comfortable with. And yes, it's changed. Maybe it's not, it's not perfect, uh, but it's, it's easy. I'm at ease with it. I'm at peace with it. And that's what we're looking to do with our imperfections. It's like it's not something that's a problem. You know, how many of the little things that we see, we make a problem out of them? You know, oh, I'm, you know, I'm insecure. That's a problem. You know, um, one of the, the uh, examples that I've used uh, here before, um, it was actually a very key, key point in my practice um, you know, I still remember it was in 1994, and I went to hear Gil speak, and he hadn't been teaching that long then. And uh, in the middle of the talk, he forgot what he was saying. 
And he said, um, you know, he kind of looked around. He goes, oh, this, this feels awkward. And then he just kind of went back to his talk. And I remember that moment because, you know, I was mortified. It's like, oh, my God, he admitted that he felt awkward, you know. And, but it just stuck with me. It just stuck with me. Just the way he could just be transparent and show that. And he didn't have to be 100% together all the time. You know, he was just completely sincere. And uh, it, was, it was a very powerful m- m- teaching for me, more than the talk, anything else in the talk. It was just that example of, of how he could just completely be himself uh, and not having to hide it, not having to be, be any different way. Um, so in this practice, what we do, we turn towards our imperfections. We turn towards our difficulties instead of trying to fix them, trying to get them to go away. And we get to know them. Um, for instance, one of the common things that most of us meditators experience are maybe a few moments of boredom, right? And, uh, you know, so we turn towards our boredom. Um, one of the things that Gill said, boredom is a stepping stone to realizing that life is enough as it is. And can we turn to the felt sense of boredom when we experience it? What don't we like about boredom? Can you feel what that is? You know, you're feeling bored. What is it that we don't like? How does that, that feeling feel in us? What is that experience? Can we get interested in boredom? So in the same way, we turn towards our difficulties. Now, it doesn't mean that that's what we do all the time. You know, sometimes the thing is so difficult that we have to approach it just a little at a time. That's okay. We have limits. You know, it may be a huge fear, and, and all we can do is just, like, just tap it. Oh, that's enough. You know, it's okay to back away, to have compassion for our own suffering. Um, and the last thing I want to say, you know, the Buddhist path really comes into fruition, not when we get what we want, but when we don't get what we want. That's really where uh, our growth flowers. When we face difficulties, difficulties without adding to them, with our attitude, without making difficulties a problem, if we value the difficult, every moment in our life matters. Every moment in our life is valuable. There aren't any moments that we wish weren't there. It's if we turn towards the challenging, the challenging moments. Um, and one quote I want to um, end with, Ajahn Sumedho, um, one of the great meditation masters who's still alive today, um, when he was young, you know, and um, he was studying with Ajahn Chah, his teacher in Thailand, and he got malaria. And, you know, he had been really working hard at his practice, meditating regularly, you know, being mindful. And, you know, malaria really wipes you out. And so he, you know, he went to his teacher. He said, oh, you know, this is, you know, so hard dealing with malaria. You know, how can I practice? And Ajahn Chah said, uh, malaria is your practice. And in that sense, I'd like to encourage you to embrace imperfection, to allow 
impermanence, incompleteness, imperfection, to let those be your practice. So thank you.